microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And we're being joined um, by the manager of my local comic book shop. It's, it's okay to mention the name, right? We're good with there? Yeah. yeah. Coliseum Comics in Kissimmee. Coliseum's part of a, um, is a makeup of six stores? Correct. I remember things. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, but I have the, the manager of my branch. I'm going to say branch because of the makeup. My branch, my store. Uh, it is the Coliseum of Comics in Kissimmee. And the manager is J.C. Cunningham. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So everyone else is quiet. I don't know why. <laughs> because our mamas told us to listen before we speak. Oh. And we listened, our moms. That well, one time. Yes. Smart. We listened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I invited JC on because we've had, what, over the last year, some great conversations involving action figure variant covers, variant covers, Marvel itself. And, and I thought it'd be a great idea to get a retailer's perspective of what's going on with Marvel at the retail level. Cool. Because the conversations we've had have been gold. And, and and they got to be shared. They they just have to like be shared. I, uh, I feel like I should like disclaimer here at the beginning. Like, hey, I love Marvel comics, and uh, I've I've read them my entire life. But uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like the disclaimer almost has to be in there before before those conversations are had. That's well, that's like from where I'm from. You open up a conversation with you know you mention somebody's name, you go bless their heart, and once that heart <laughs> is sufficiently blessed, it's kind of like oh, there they go on. Under the bus. I mean, if, if we're talking in a financial sense, I think they're already pretty pretty blessed. So, um, and in a in a plethora of, of an amazing catalog of characters, also. So, uh, you know, I, I yeah. think it, it's it's one of those when we were when Eric and I were at Celebration, I brought up the issue like we talked about. We brought I brought up the issues of action figure variant covers and how hard it is to get them now. Um, and as soon as I mentioned action figure variant covers, he's like. You can see in his face, I know where you're going. I know he's not the one responsible for a lot of those decisions, but he he was the top person from Marvel there to, to hear the gripe. Um, as we've talked about leading into this episode to build it up, there... 
Is it going to be controversial? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think we all love Marvel, or this wouldn't be called Mighty Marvel Geeks, and we wouldn't make fun of ourselves being the intrepid trio. Um, it, it's one of those, because we love Marvel, is why our frustrations get the way they get. This is what we're going to call a tough love episode. Oh, excuse me, issue, because we have issues. Yes. yes. The okay. issue of tough love. So yeah, there's going to be a variant for it too, right? At, at least one. Uh, yeah, right. it'll be a stick figure variant. It, yes. it, okay. It's, it's going to be figure. it's going to be that action figure variant that we'll never see. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, you guys could make it exclusive through your site though, and True. then some people order it, and that would at least be a, a one way to do it. So it, it, we could do it like the old SCSI SCSI code oh, with Lord. the dot matrix, and you get about a third of the way through, and it just stops, and that's your cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess I, I'm, I'm going to put it right out there. The action figure variant covers. We, I have had issues getting them, uh, as 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 you well know, with the Star Wars stuff. Um, right. What is Marvel's take with that in regards to you guys? I mean, obviously, I can in no way speak for Marvel. Uh, all, all I can really say is, you know, as far as how those incentives typically work. There's there's multiple types of variants. It used to be, you know, relatively straightforward in the sense that, you know, I can order one for every 10 of the regular cover I order, you know, typical variants as they've existed for quite a while, one in 20, one in 25, one in 50, so forth and so on. Um, at this point, some of that does still exist, uh, virtually from almost all the companies, to be honest with you, even outside of Marvel. That's a relatively standard one in 10 and up kind of thing. Um, but Marvel has started doing, uh, you have to order X percentage of a previous issue, maybe tied to that specific book, maybe tied to another book in order to order like an action figure variant. Scotty Young's are also quite often on the same setup uh, in order to order literally however many I want. Um, I say, you know, I have to order 90% uh, three issues ago, and then I can order however many Star Wars covers I want. Um, but it's not always a lower percentage. I mean, I know that the uh, one of the most recent issues of um, Secret Empire, for example, not necessarily an action figure variant, but one of the variants, it was I had to order 125% or more of like the previous issue or two issues before. So increasing my order on a later number of a book, and I think we all know typically a one sells better than a three and so forth and so on. So uh, it makes it challenging, um, especially to be fair from a, a larger store standpoint, even more so than a smaller store in a lot of ways, because as a smaller store, if you're ordering, you know, and I'm just picking, uh, throwing random numbers out here for, you know, easy, easy math. But if, if I'm supposed to order 90% of a book, I order 10 copies of, it's pretty easy to achieve next month in order to get my action figure variants. But if I'm ordering, you know, 500 copies as a chain, hypothetically, that's not quite as achievable of a ratio without eating a lot of books. Okay. So in that way, almost, um, I guess it sort of favors the smaller stores, I, or I, or the math is still the same regardless of the size. Well, 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 the math is same. It's just the fact that you know, if if I order ten copies of a book, and then next month I need to order ninety percent or more of what I ordered of you know that book being ten copies. Okay, I have to order maybe maybe I lost a or two and we were going to order eight and now I have to order nine. One more book, not a huge deal. When you're ordering hundreds of copies, we're talking about a, a much bigger discrepancy that we would have to potentially order 
and then potentially not sell. Now, if, you know, let's be realistic, if all of Marvel's books were selling like they have at certain points in the past, it would probably be a smaller window of an issue. Um, but at the same time, you know, a one in 10 is pretty straightforward. If, if I'm ordering 90 copies of Star Wars, let's say, and there's one in 10s and I really need to hit that 10th copy, 10 copies, it, it may or may not be a lot, but it's a pretty straightforward. If I'm ordering 97, I'm going to probably bump to three. But with the ratios, they don't always work out that way. And a lot of times they're not necessarily even tied to the same book. Sometimes they are tied to the same book. You know, uh, I actually have the, the form in front of me so I could use an actual example with an exact number on it. Um, so for Star Wars number 35, the action figure variant, I would need to meet or exceed 90% of orders for Star Wars number 32 in order to order all I want. So needless to say, you know, typically as the book moves on, unless something big happens, there's a, a different artist which moves the needle a little bit, a different writer jumps on board. Um, you know, it can go up, but traditionally speaking, the sales kind of slowly drop or quickly drop depending on the book. Um, and that's not just Marvel. That's, you know, with any book, there's going to be a little bit of, um, you know, people dropping the book, picking up a different title, moving around back and forth, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, 90 percent of three issues ago, I mean, maybe in a large store, maybe we had five people drop the book. Maybe we had another five people relocate to a different place. So they're no, no longer a subscriber. Maybe we've noticed that, you know, we're not selling quite as many shelf copies this month. To be fair, Kissimmee is a little bit weird compared to some of our other locations in the sense that we are a bit of a tourist store now, um, a tourist store at this point. Um, I mean, obviously, we're a local comic shop and we function like a local comic shop in that sense. But with tourism, you can see a little bit of like, man, everybody bought that book this month. Where did it go? We normally have back issues left. And then next month, you know, OK, that's more back issues than we're used to having. So we can have a little bit of a, you know, discrepancy in that regard. But at the same time, you're talking about, a, you know, three issues ago, I probably sold a few more copies than I'm going to sell of this one. Depends and then on you just between a chain. So depends yeah. on how many Brazilian tour buses show up. That definitely uh, <laughs> that, that must have, that's more tends to be the pops. But, uh, yeah, that can definitely play a factor, too, for sure. So. Just out of curiosity, mm -hmm. there at, at your particular location, right. uh, what are the, I, I guess, you know, we're talking about just Marvel, uh, are there any particular titles or artists or writers that uh, you know are going to sell the best or, or sell above average? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I get, anything, anything Jason Aaron's on at Marvel is selling, you know, strictly better than most other things that he's not on, for sure. I mean, yeah. he saw an immediate drop in subs uh, with Doctor Strange after his last issue. Um, so Jason Aaron definitely moves the needle, so to speak. Uh, and, and Marvel used to have a lot of that. And when I say that, I don't want I, I don't intend for that to mean that, you know, if, if you're writing Marvel comics now, you're not a good writer because that's definitely not the case. Marvel has some great talent that's not Ed Brubaker or Jason Aaron known in that capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and they're putting out some books that are really good. Um, but writers' names tend to move the needle more right now than anything else. So writers' names more so than artists' names. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's definitely artists that move it, too. Uh, I mean, I know we're talking Marvel, but the easiest recent example is with DC. Um, Aquaman just has uh, just added, um, I'm going to probably get this totally wrong, and I apologize. Uh, Sejic, I believe is the correct way to pronounce 
um, on Aquaman, and we definitely saw an immediate uptick because that art is, you know, gorgeous, and it's uh, kind of a whole yeah. other, um, you know. So an artist can definitely move it a bit, but right now writers are kind of where it's at. Everybody wants that story to be amazing, um, and that's kind of what everybody's looking for. So you'll you'll tend to notice writers moving it a little more than you know, unless it's a you know really well known artist, so to speak. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem very long ago that it was the other way around that it was the artist on a book absolutely uh back back when uh uh back when michael turner was around Mm -hmm. um in in that time period and we're talking early 2000s um late 90s even early 2000s uh probably up until gosh i don't know 2008 2009 somewhere in that vicinity i guess it was definitely very much and and writers would as well but it was kind of the other way it did feel more like it was like an artist was the huge selling point on a book i know that michael turner for example was definitely a huge deal i mean even before him todd mcfarlane could sell i'm pretty sure anything mm-hmm. he was, was gonna sell right mm-hmm. so yeah i was a sucker for jim lee i mean he could he yeah. could go be drawing garfield and i would just be all over it no for sure listen jim lee i i grew up on not quite a quite the same stuff we all grew up on different stuff but i grew up on 90s jim lee x-men mm-hmm. like that was the yeah. book that I, you know yeah and um i actually had the opportunity to meet him last year i guess it was and basically say listen you're a big part of the reason that I do what I do. Like I could never write comics. I could never draw comics. I can't draw stick figures. So I won't be able to help you with that variant cover. But, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's a huge influence on me wanting to be in this industry. I, I love, I love comic art. I love a comic story. I like both pieces together, obviously. Um, but he's definitely a huge piece of me jumping into a comic book for sure. Yeah, I was I was the same way. Although I was growing up in the nineties, and uh, it's really where I got uh, back into it. I, I was in comics when I was growing up, when I was a little kid. But but I was like on the Conan and uh, some of the like, you know, the the mid to late seventies kind of thing. Uh, so the Spider-Man, the Conan, the, uh, the you know, of course, we, you know, several DC titles there. But uh, it, yeah, it's like the, the 90s are just kind of like when comics can just kind of like everybody discovered them again. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was part of the problem because everybody was trying to cash in on it. So yeah. Well, and, and with variant covers, too. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and cover enhancements. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, let's rub some tinfoil on this uh, on this yeah. area. Like Yes. Oh, my God. Holograms, yeah. Hologram. Holograms. 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 Yeah. Not even remotely close to what we're seeing right now. No, 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 no. at all. No lenticular 3D covers or anything. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, variants were obviously I don't blame the 90s and that craziness for variants. They were just a piece of a piece of that whole craze and, and overprinting and comic shops on every corner. And uh, I mean, you want you want there to be accessible comic shops. You know what I mean? So you you, you'd like there to be a decent number of them, but like anything, too much can definitely right. oversaturation, yeah. uh, which I feel like is, is part of the problem with variants. It's it's a little bit of oversaturation, and you know, and I'm I'm a culprit. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play like I'm not part of the problem. I buy variants from time to time for sure. Um, from time to time is you know it's, uh, more often than I'd like to. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of Saya uh, uh, Om and um, all of the stuff that she does with Lola XO and then stuff that she does for Aspen and it, she's done some variants for Marvel and you know pretty much anything that she does I buy so that's definitely you know I'm sure we all participate in some of the variant thing and I don't 
I don't know. I think some retailers have the perspective that they wish variants would just end altogether. See, I, um, I have no clue what you talk about with participating in variants. Right. No. Because I roll my eyes. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, it's funny because, I mean, you know, there's always been these comparisons, right, to Marvel and DC to each other, right? What is Marvel doing right and what's DC doing wrong and what's vice versa? Um, I personally love what DC has done with Rebirth with their variant setup. Uh, you order whatever you want of the primary cover and you order whatever you one of the variant cover. Um, they're putting a, a relatively a relatively limited uh, overprint on the variant covers, so there's not an excessive amount beyond what covers damages and shortages and some of that kind of stuff. So it's relatively tight, from what I understand. Um, but you know, we can order a fair amount of them, and we're not ordering crazy amounts of them. But most people that want them are on subscription for them, which makes it easier because we have an, a rough idea of what to order. And, you know, beyond that, everything is mostly a, uh, okay. Um, I mean, I think that being able to order in that capacity, we have a pretty good feel for how many of them to order every month. Um, like anything in the comic industry, you could always order better. There's no perfect ordering system when you're ordering books two months ahead of time. Um, but I feel like it's a pretty, pretty comfortable scenario that they've put there. And then a lot of the other variants are through the particular artist, like through their website or like, you know, like he has some of the action figure variants on his site where he gets to sell them. Um, you know, when Batman came out, it had a bunch of different covers. I know Aspen had a cover and, you know, God knows how many people had a cover. Same with Harley. There was, I want to say 70 something Harley ones. Different sites? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they had they had to compete with that Star Wars number one. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they beat that one. Uh, but but the thing is, you know, I hope that they're helping those artists out in this capacity. Whatever whatever deal they have set up, hopefully it's something that benefits the artist. You know, with them selling it through their site a little better than commissioning one cover and then them offering seventeen different versions of it in the previews um, for us to order. And you know, as much as obviously we want business in the comic store. It's actually, to me personally, a little bit easier to say, hey, uh, listen, I want to get you the variants that you want because I do. Right. Um, But the reality is with DC, it was very easy to be like, "Okay, you're looking for this one. Then you want to go to this artist site. I may not necessarily know all those sites, but, you know, the wonderful world of Google that we live in, you can find them pretty easy. And obviously most artists have it, you know, with their name involved in it, obviously. So if they know whose cover they're looking for, it's relatively easy to find them typically, especially with social media media now come on everybody's on facebook and you know and then, and one of those that you're talking about is the guest that we had last week john tyler christopher yeah you know, he mm-hmm. had some exclusives with the star wars action figures uh like i think with with mall yeah i don't think we had um, a mall now whether we didn't qualify or whether we actually didn't they didn't have one i don't remember i know with the mall action figure his exclusive was the emperor what was darcidious like okay cool so getting both for for that particular issue am, am i gonna pay a little bit more to get an exclusive from him knowing once he's done with the cell, that's it. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, it was like that with uh, Star Wars number four. I forgot what the action figure variant was, but his was the Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So, and, well, and, I, it's a, and it's ranking up there with the Han Solo one that... Right. And and there's another part of the, the problem, so to speak, right, is a lot of times as retailers, we don't even get to see these covers before they're... I mean, when they're ordering half the time, we're not even seeing what they are, right? So I may be get a name on FOC that we do, you know, two, three weeks out, whatever the case may be. Um, but a lot of times we don't even see all of this art. So I'm supposed to order a Star Wars action figure variant 
hoping that it's Boba Fett and it ends up being, you know, TIE Pilot 346 or something. I, I mean, <laughs> right. or the you guy know. with the ice cream maker in the Empire Strikes Back, you know? Yeah, yeah. There you go. For sure. For sure. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's also, you know, problematic because how, how am I supposed to plan for that? You know what I mean? I mean, needless to say, like you said, you know, Darth Maul, Emperor, Luke, Yoda, they're all going to sell, you know? Yeah. Uh, but outside of the hardcore so to speak, collector that's wanting all of them, the completionist, as I call myself far too often. Um, I wonder if you're talking about someone else. He wants them. Do I? <laughs> wonder if you're talking about someone else. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. I'm, well, we I'm, can now if you really want to. I, I, right. do res- I do resemble those remarks as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Deadpool fan. So there was a point uh, back when, you know, he kind of came back to Marvel after the whole court lawsuit, whatever, uh, where, you know, he got his own series again, him and Cable. And, and as they started getting into variant territory again, um, I started buying all the Deadpool variants. And then it turned into, uh, you know, Deadpool variant month and, uh, you know, him showing up on the cover of every book in some variant capacity. And there was a point where it was just like, OK, enough is enough. I can't buy every single cover that Deadpool right. is on. It is just it is too much. Um, and. It feels a bit like that's, you know, I mean, I get it, right? We're a comic shop. We're a business, right? And Marvel is clearly a business. Um, but, you know, there's a point where where you not only oversaturate, you, you alienate your fans a little bit. You know, you frustrate them to the point of like, I want to be that completionist, but you are making it unreasonable for me to be that completionist. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's frustrating because like like I said, it's, I, I jokingly said about the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, I love Marvel Comics. You know, I grew up reading X-Men and God knows what else, a, a lot of titles. But, you know, everybody in the industry wants Marvel to be successful. At the end of the day, we want to be able to order the variants. Um, you know, when you talk about this ratio setup, uh, Scotty Young typically falls in this just like action figures. I either have them or I don't have them. But I don't know how often, you know, you guys go in other stores besides just your local comic shop, because obviously you're used to whatever your local shop does, right? We have a pretty standard setup, whoever we are, because we're, you know, your normal shop, you're used right. to it. But, you know, I, I had a job where I traveled for a while and I would try to go in a comic store in every city I was in if I had time. And it was very rare that I walked into one where the Scotty Young covers weren't anywhere from eight to fifteen dollars a piece. Again, they were this same setup most of the time. If I order X percentage, I can order all I want. That's such a weird scenario. There, I mean, how many of them are in print if I can order all I want, but I have to meet this mark to do it? So it's kind of a weird. And we sell Scotty Youngs the majority of the time at normal cover price because if we qualify for it, we order a pretty pretty hefty amount of them, and then. You know, we we sometimes sell through them all. Sometimes a couple get to sneak in the back issues. And at that point, they may go up if they're, you know, going for a little bit more or whatever. But we try to sell them a cover, which we try to do with the action figure stuff as much as possible, too. So so if the we'll say action figures, because I know I bought some at higher than cover. Is it because of the the lack of what you were able to get? Um, no, there were there there have been a few times where they weren't in the ratio like that, where they were we could order one for, you know, every 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever, in which case, you know, we only get five of them or whatever the case may be. Um, typically in the past, if that was the case, it's usually because it's tied to that. Typically with this particular setup, we keep them at cover the vast majority of the time. Not always, but most of the time. Um and then with, you know, the one in tens and the one in twenty fives, typically we try to be, 
you know, roughly in the window of what they're selling for, um, which is which is tough. And we try to do that as I can't speak for other shops. I can only speak for, you know, Coliseum. But um, we do most of that pricing when we determine that on Monday and we get our books on Tuesday and they go on the stands on Wednesday. You know what I mean? Um, so we're trying to do it as as close to when they release as possible to, you know, what something's pre-selling for online a week before may or right. may not be the equivalent, you know, the week of. So we try to get it as close as we can. But now I am glad. Well, I, Go ahead. Uh, well, now I have a question. I mean, because I can, to a certain degree, I can understand why the comic shops you know, are pricing you know, some of the variant covers you know, at a higher price. But is it this? Is, are you? Is it the same reasoning when you go into say a books a million and they're charged for I don't know an ash can Princess Leia number one? Sorry, I, I I missed a little piece of that. Is it the same as if Books a Million was selling what? Uh, say if, if uh, Books a Million was selling a, a say an Ashcan version of I don't know Star Wars number one, and they're they're charging a premium price for it. Is are they using the same reasoning for that as the comic shops are using? I I mean. I honestly have no clue if their system works similarly. I mean, Diamond is basically the distributor. I mean, at this point, they're um, need need we say that that game that has ruined families for generations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, I, I I can't imagine that they're ordering them anywhere other than through them at this point. Right. Uh, but I don't know if they have somebody who sets that pricing for them. I know I've seen a variant on the shelf in Books a Million and had somebody tell me they bought it for cover price before when it's you know a nine. 99 variant pretty much everywhere. Um, right. and other times I've heard people go, yeah, I walked to the counter and it was, it, you know, didn't have anything on it and they scanned it and then they're like, oh, it's 999, whereas it says 399 on the cover. So I'm not really sure how they do theirs. Um, and I don't even, I can't imagine that the majority of Books a Million employees necessarily are quite as versed in it. And that's right. not to say that every employee to every comic shop is. I mean, Kissimmee, for example, is it's like two stores in one. We're like half game store, half comic store kind of. Um, right. So right. some of my game staff is not going to be quite as versed in variants as I'm going to be, whereas I'm not going to be you know quite as versed in the miniature gaming as one of them is, so to speak. So I'm sure Books a Million is the the same way. Uh, I'm sure they have somebody doing their ordering that probably has a pretty good idea. And I would assume that they kind of set the prices moving downward in that capacity. And it's not like at a store level, but not really sure if they have any different kind of scenario than what we do. Gotcha. Now, like with the, I know with the Han Solo action figure, that was what, number two? Star Wars number two? Uh, One or two. Yeah. One of the first couples. Um, They tied it, and I know it's a rarer book because they had tied it with some other type that was supposedly needing help in sales. Right. You guys had to, are they still doing that type of thing with variant covers? Whether it's, you know, a variant B, C, action figure, whatever? Yes. Uh, yeah. So what, what they'll do is, like I said, sometimes it's tied to the specific book, right? Like the previous two issues ago or whatever. And sometimes it's tied to a book that has nothing to do with it. So yeah, there's definitely times where, um, you know, they have a title that's not selling great. Uh, and they tie an order incentive to a book that is selling very well. Um, it's not uncommon for us to get a new mini series, uh, <laughs> uh, Monsters Unleashed. I don't know if you guys read Monsters Unleashed. Yeah, no, yeah. I haven't read. I haven't bit. read. Yeah, okay, yeah. I've read a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we can all agree it's not Civil War. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
So they they tied that to, you know, like I want to say it was uh, Secret Wars six or five or something along those lines uh, for variants for that one in this capacity. Come on. I'm not trying to knock Monsters Unleashed, but clearly Monsters Unleashed is not going to be the draw that a, a Secret Wars is. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, or a Civil War. I, I'm sorry. I guess it was Civil War Two because it came right after Civil War Two, right? They all run oh, together yeah, now. Every event is all just. It's just an ongoing event, so it's they're all the same um, in my brain someday. But uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it was tied to like Civil War Two or, or something like that. So it's like obviously we're not going to order those kinds of numbers on Monsters Unleashed. You know what I mean? To, even even ninety percent is a completely unre- unrealistic number. On yeah. the subject of one big mega event uh, immediately following another. Are you seeing... I'm trying to think of a, a way to phrase this that doesn't sound like I'm trying to lead the question or trying to just be snarky. Uh, are you seeing any kind of crossover fatigue, I guess? For uh, sure. For, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, when, when original Civil War came out, what, 2007, eight somewhere in that window, um, they had, I want to say, and I don't know my exact number here, but I want to say there was like 128 books total with all the tie-ins for that somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, there were mm. quite a, I, w- I wasn't at Coliseum at the time, but I was working in a comic shop. Um, so I can't speak for Coliseum sales, but from what I saw, there were a lot of people buying literally every piece of the crossover, right? I remember She-Hulk was a big book because a lot of stores under ordered She-Hulk. She ended up being a tie-in and everybody wanted it because they wanted all the tie-ins. That rarely happens anymore um, because they just they're constantly throwing tie in on every every book, you know, because Civil War did so well with it. They're like, let's repeat the process. Um, And I think in the case of original Civil War, and I may be one of the few people that will ever say this, I think that they were justified in doing it because I do feel like in that original Civil War, I read all of it. And I feel like because of that event being what it was, it did affect every book that wasn't in space. So obviously it didn't mm-hmm. affect aliens. Um, every book that was on Earth, I feel like it pretty much should have affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, all of them had a reason. Yeah, there was a few that it was relatively minor what they touched on, but it made sense that it would have affected the entire universe. Um, at this point, some of the events don't really feel like that. Um, and it doesn't seem necessary to tie in all these different books. The other thing though, is it's not just, it's not just that they tie in and then you've got books that people aren't necessarily buying just because they have the cover on them or the the label or whatever they want to put a logo. Um, it's really how they affect trades as well as, as well, you know, because now you've got, you've got a writer and an artist and everybody else involved in that process trying to tell a story. And all of a sudden you've got, well, we need to interject this event story in here and then pop right back on track. So it, it makes a trade very hard to put out because you kind of want all the, the, the tie in stuff in its own trade. But then you're like, oh, why is this depending on which way they choose to do it? Why does this book not have have this one or two issues in it this trade you know it has one through four but then it goes to six and seven right you know to a new to a new comic reader that's a little hard to explain and i'm not saying that you know a a local comic shop shouldn't make every effort to obviously educate anybody that walks in the doors that's excited to get into comics because we should you know um and i'm personally a firm believer in the like there's no wrong way to collect comics you want to read it in trade paperback you want to read it in single issues you want to collect it because you hope it's worth money one day then great absolutely i recommend 
recommend, you know, buying older stuff. But, you know, obviously we have a lot of books that get hot. I mean, Seven to Eternity is crazy right now how hot that book is. Um, but, you know, there's no right or wrong in my mind. Whatever whatever way you want to read comics, then read them. I mean, I personally am not really a big fan of digital. I want to hold a comic book in my hand. But, you know, if that's if that's your thing, I mean, I'd rather you be reading comics and, you know, than not. Um, <laughs> and that's been one of the things that I've liked about Marvel is I'm buying two copies for the price of one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad, because, they, uh, glad they changed their mind on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those three months were hard. (laughs) Um, Well, that's like me. I have to, I pretty much have to do digital because I don't have a local comic book shop close to me. The closest dedicated comic book shop is clear on the other side of town, which is at least a good 45 minute drive in one direction from Uh, where I work. So, so the digital, the digital is the option for me, unless I just like happen to be going by books a million. I don't, I don't want to disparage books a million, but that, that place is closer, but it's not, it's not a comic book shop. Right. Let's, let's be realistic, right? You come into a comic book store, not just to buy your comics or to have your subscription, but to interact with other people who love the same nerdy crap that you do. Right. And I guess crap, obviously not insultingly. It's just, (laughs) um, it's nerd networking. That's exactly what it it is. It very much is. I mean, we, we obviously want to talk about, you know, the, the, whatever book we read last week that blew our mind and we want them to do that all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what a comic shop is small, small little plug here, I guess. Um, uh, Coliseum does have a mail order. If you would like mail order, we'll be happy to assist you, sir. Uh, (laughs) uh, They come highly recommended. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You can call me for witty banter if you want to. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, it's, if, if that's the way that you need to do it for you and it works for you, then absolutely. You know, I hear great things about Marvel's, uh, is it unlimited? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. I hear, I hear a lot of positive things about it. So it's, it's great. I mean, I, I I'm not going to quote him, but I think we all probably read the Stan Lee quote about the difference in digital comics and real comics. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think he's pretty, I think he's pretty accurate there. So, um, I don't think we're ever going to truly have to worry about, you know, physical comics going away because of digital yeah i don't think so either uh, they're they're great alternative but you you said it uh so many of our guests and in, in previous issues have said it and and we've even said it there's nothing that really compares to actually holding a a, a an honest to goodness comic book in your hand Mm-mm, right no yeah. no right and you know that's that's i think why when you get into variants it's such a hard it's you know uh it, it's it's, a, it's hard to make everybody happy. And, you know, I think the difference is sometimes I wonder if Marvel is listening at all to retailers in the concept of what would potentially help us sell their books better. Um, at the end of the day, our goal is to sell their comics. We do want to sell lots and lots of Marvel comics. I'm, I would love to have an Uncanny X-Men on the stands that I'm dying to read. Um, but you know, uh, I, we, we only influence them so much and by so much, I mean, very minimally. So, okay. Then question, let's assume for a moment that this issue, uh, is, is getting played at Marvel's offices up in New York. Sure. What, what would be one thing that, that you would want them to listen to, to hear that would help you sell their comics? 
Um, well, I think we touched a little bit on it earlier. There, there'd be a lot of things, so it's hard for me to narrow it down to one thing. Okay. Um, but I, I think one of one of the big things would be bring creators back that have a passion for your characters and stop handcuffing them. Um, I think there's a lot of writers uh, and artists that aren't dying to be where, and I'm not speaking for anybody particular. This is just my perspective um, that are not dying to be a Marvel because if all I can use is myself as an example, if I could having grown up with X-Men, if I was able to write or draw comics, obviously X-Men would be right. Like one of my Holy grails, right? I, oh yeah. I'd love to write some rogue, you know, stealing some amazing powers and doing something cool. We haven't seen before. Um, I, I, that would be awesome. But the reality is right now with their whole not wanting to create new content for them thing, which I kind of understand in a way. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're totally wrong there. Um, But why would you want to write X-Men at Marvel right now? Why would you want to draw X-Men at Marvel right now? How many creative, how many creative things can you do with it? How handcuffed are you going to be? Because you you, you can't create new characters because Fox gets the rights to them. And you as Marvel don't want that occurring theoretically. Um, And, and you have a very, I assume a very limited, you know, uh, amount of things you can do with the characters. And I mean, I would imagine if this is the industry that you work in and you want to tell stories and, and draw comics that you would want to be able to put some of what you're passionate about into the project. And it seems like you would probably be a little limited right now with them. Um, you know, DC has done some really good things with Rebirth. Uh, and, you know, can, are you going to sit here and name out everybody off the top of your head that's writing and drawing every book there? Not necessarily. Um, but you could probably name more than you could with Marvel at the moment. Um, do you Do you think... With after seeing the the failure, I don't know if it would be considered a failure of New Fifty Two uh, from DC and, and what they tried to do to correct the New Fifty Two going into Rebirth. Has do you think that's put a little bit of a, a panic or a scare into? to Marvel and that's why we're seeing uh, Secret Wars we're seeing now Secret so, Empire and so, soon to be Marvel Legacy right the the concern that I have is and I I want I want to see Marvel change gears give us some of the original characters back um, and I don't want to see diversity taken away at all yeah I mean, your Marvel comics you can't have your cake and eat it too I'm pretty sure you can, right? You can have diversity and have classic characters. Um, If a new, if a new comic fan who went and saw Avengers at the theater, and and there's going to be some stores out there where the, the staff, the manager, the owner, whatever will be like, Oh, well you saw Avengers. You're not a real comic fan. Uh, You know, you, you just, just, you know, go watch the movies. That's not the attitude that a comic store should have. I don't care if you literally have never seen a comic TV show, touched a comic book in your entire life. If you walk into the store and you're like, yeah, I just saw Wonder Woman and it blew my mind. So can you please point me in the right direction? Because I want more of that character. Why am I going to tell you that you're a fake fan, right? See, that's, that's what I – it really grinds my gears when somebody – when they say, oh, you're not a real fan if you're just a fan of the movies. That to me is so unnecessarily elitist. I mean yeah. you yeah. – and For sure. basically what you should say is like, well, that's good. You've just taken your first step into a larger world. Yes, I'm channeling my inner Obi-Wan here. And you just say, if you liked the stuff in the movie, see, the movie reminds me of so-and-so's run on this character. Here, why don't you, you know, take a look at these, you'll get it, you'll get this 
issue or this issue. And then you, you never know. This is, this is the first time somebody may have been introduced to that character with, with a character like wonder woman. I find that hard to believe because, but there are people out there, uh, character like Ultron or, uh, or nightcrawler or anybody in the Marvel universe. And let's be honest, some of these characters in the MCU nowadays don't really have much of a comic book legacy to draw on. Cause you tell me how many of the guardians of the galaxy did you know the first time you saw the first trailer? Right. I, I mean, if you're a, if you're a hardcore person, you know who rocket was, you know who star Lord it was or sure. Drax or whoever, <laughs> but a lot of people is like, who are these yutzes in? <laughs> right. But the thing is it, to a comic book store and with that, go ahead. Sorry. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to, really no, 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 go. We talk over each other all the time. I laugh because it's funny because what we're really talking about and, and part of the problem with variants to some extent is ultimately they don't help long-term readership. And when you're talking long-term health of the industry, that's what we should be prioritizing. That's what Marvel should be prioritizing. That's what I think DC seems to be prioritizing and some of the indie publishers as well. I think long-term health of the industry, we want kids continuing to buy comics, read comics, get into comics, whether that's started by a video game or a movie or an actual comic book, I don't really care, right? It's that they want more of these awesome characters. And yes, right. I mean, come on, you can say it about anything. People say it about novels all the time. Oh, the book's way better than the show. The book's way better than the movie, right? I personally am a little bit in the camp of more than likely, whichever you saw or read first is the one you're biased to. Like I watched Jurassic Park as a kid and then I read Jurassic Park. I personally think the movie is more entertaining than the book, but I personally believe that there's going to be a bias because you had one before yeah. the other. Um, I mean, I can't scientifically prove that, but that's my thought process. I see it pretty common. Well, uh, you know, I, I got to agree with you because I'm the same way with Lord of the Rings. I saw Fellowship of the Ring and I was a little familiar with Tolkien at the time. But after I left the movie, I went out and I got the I got the book. I had the read by the time Two Towers came out. And I think I do. I have watched the movies time and time again since. Have I read the book? No. Well, let me pose this question then since the yeah, movies well, i apologize I, I didn't really finish answering your questions oh sorry <laughs> well then i apologize because i was going somewhere i apologize um i worry about marvel being a bit reactionary and i do think that they need to make some changes mm. i think we can all agree for sure with that um i worry that they're reactionary and here's the biggest reason i say that um they announce you know generations and legacy and all this kind of stuff and um they just put out an X-Men Blue and an X-Men Gold. So if we're going to Legacy, if the idea is that we're going to original numbering, we're bringing back the classic books, shouldn't there be an Uncanny X-Men? But you just put out Gold and Blue no longer than two months before you announced this. So it feels a bit reactionary in that you didn't really plan it that far in advance, or you probably wouldn't have put out a Blue and a Gold when you know you're going to need an Uncanny. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, if that's the case, where's the Uncanny Avengers as well? No, no, no. Listen, I, I'm just using that one book as an example. Right, okay. I'm not saying there's not necessarily more of them. Um, and then one of the first cover, you know, they show us all this cover art, which don't get me wrong. A lot of those covers look super cool. Um, but one of the ones that I noticed that stood out to me was Old Man Logan. 
for going back to legacy mm-hmm. versus Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, my literal, like my hands down favorite Wolverine story ever is original Old Man Logan. Absolutely love that run. I'm also a huge Mark Millar fan, but love Old Man Logan. And I don't, it's not that I don't like the character, but again, if we're going back to classic characters, bring Wolverine back. Normal 616 Wolverine. Yeah. Like mm. I don't need it, 14 variants. And 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 I do just want to point out that um I actually think all new Wolverine is one of Marvel's best titles right now. So I love X23 in the Wolverine role. But right. I mean we had Wolverine on what six different teams or some craziness at one point. We can have yeah. Wolverine and still have all new Wolverine. Well see yeah. that's one thing I liked about when um Ramon Perez was was artist on Hawkeye. You had Clint Barton Hawkeye and Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Both awesome. Both awesome. Both with their little with they had different flavors of awesome, but they went well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see, I don't see why you can't have that. I mean, to the casual fan, yes, Peter Parker will always be Spider-Man. Logan will always be Wolverine. Steve Rogers will always be Captain America. And don't get me started on that Hail Hydra crap. <laughs> so need a it, Snickers. But there's nothing that says. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anyway, what did, what did uh, Rocket was it? Rocket called him Steve in a recent issue. He yeah, said there that's you go. His nickname for him, Steve. <laughs> so, but there's nothing that says you can't have both the legacy character and the. This is going to sound really random. The diverse character, the the successor character in sure. the same book. I think Hawkeye pulled it off well, and I think that you could do that. Yes, bring Wolverine back, and that's. Why have we not got Wolverine back? That's all I'm saying. I, I don't I don't know what I it's funny because I have this, you know, this is part of the enjoyment I get in, in being in a comic shop on a Wednesday and getting to talk about all this kind of stuff on a regular basis. It's it's always fun. Um, Riri Williams is a really cool character. I yeah. really enjoy the Invincible Iron Man book. But as much as I want to sell Riri Williams, right, as a good book, Riri Williams, and, and I'm not saying in any way that they should all mimic everything in the movies, but for a new fan who went and watched an Avengers movie that wants to read anything resembling that, there's nothing on the shelf like that that's new. I, I'm like, well, uh, we have a Riri Williams that's Iron Man, and we have a Amadeus Cho that's a Hulk, and I have a uh, Old Man Logan or an X-23 that's Wolverine. At least the X-23 is, you know, kind of correlated there. Um, uh, I have a female Thor, which, again, Jason Aaron, probably one of the better books they have. So when people get into the whole diversity and, and oh, how diversity is hurting Marvel, it's not that diversity is hurting Marvel. A lot of the diverse books Marvel has are actually some of their better titles um, and some of their coolest characters right now. Uh, it's it's the lack of classic. You 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 haven't brought more new fans to the table to make up for the ones that are leaving the table because of not keeping as much classic. Yeah, we love diversity. We want diversity, but not at the expense of characters who we know and love. Right. Well, let me yeah. ask this question. Uh, I know it's been talked about that Marvel should make the Marvel Universe and the comics kind of mirror the movies, since that's what would it be better, in your opinion, as a retailer, if Marvel re, I guess, relaunched the Ultimate Universe and had that based on the MCU? So uh, when people came in and said, "Hey, I really like the Avengers. I really liked, or maybe not even the MCU. I really like." 
liked Logan, what do you have? You could go, well, the ultimate universe, the ultimate titles is what you're looking for because they're ti- they're closer to a continuation of the movies. I would like to see a couple things. For starters, when you talk about movies and, and people coming into comic stores, I would love to see a scenario where Marvel assists comic shops with some advertising with their local theater for their local stores before the mm. hey you're selling this crazy popular movie help us bring those fans into the store and buy more of your comics right they, they both benefit you in the long run i would like to see that for starters um, uh, well i'm working with real cinemas about possibly helping do some promotion work for big movies okay if that's the case we will talk and see okay. how during that process for preview night or the whatever they do for their promotion mirror of that movie say spider-man homecoming how um with our little partnership how i could help you guys get a little more exposure okay in that aspect as well the 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 second part is really i think part of the part of the frustration that some of the fans are feeling with the marvel universes and all of it being semi-merged right now is the Ultimate Universe was very successful at the beginning and, well, for quite a few years, let's be honest. I mean, the first hundred and, what, 15, 20 issues of Amazing of Ultimate Spider-Man, sorry, did pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, and most of it's pretty entertaining stuff. I mean, I've read all of the original Ultimate stuff until they started kind of breaking it down into, you know, different titles and relaunching even some of those titles. I read the vast majority of that stuff. Um, and I liked a lot of it. Uh, like anything, it's not all perfect. None of it's perfect, but it's not all you know, amazing, but a lot of it's very good, very entertaining stuff. And I would like to see a scenario where instead of this constant, we launch a book, we're calling it an ongoing, or we're just not calling it anything. And then five issues later, because it didn't sell great, we're canceling it. Or 12 issues later, we decided it's not selling well, we're canceling it. Now it was basically kind of a mini series that was, let's be honest, a lot of them probably pl- going to be mini series. There's no way around it from the beginning. Um, I, I mean, it, it's not it's not conducive to somebody jumping on board because they know it's going to end. And it's funny because you see kind of a little bit of that that with some indie titles and yet people will still commit through. Now I'm not talking about the numbers that some of the Marvel books start out with, obviously, um, but people will go, okay, it's, it's a six issue mini. I'm willing to commit for a six issue mini, you know, things like, um, you know, a variety of different indie titles that have done that. And, and they're like, okay, cool. I think it'd be kind of awesome if Marvel did um, a year, like they just say straight up, this is going to be 12 issues or 24 issues or how often you want to ship it of this many books. And it's going to be a year in this universe. I mean, Age of Apocalypse was super successful and that's basically what that was, right? I mean, they didn't yeah. call that, but it's the equivalent of what we're talking about. I would like to see this is, you can commit to this w- one year window of, of your your life in this Marvel universe, not the ultimate universe. You can, you can have a different universe all the time and then you can kind of create and play with whatever in there. And if it's not amazing, it's not, it's, it, yeah, it's continuity for that universe, but it's not continuity for this book. That's going to keep going and going because next year you're going to be doing a different universe. Um, I don't know, maybe something like that is a, a potential better idea than an ultimate universe, just because then you don't feel 
you do what Marvel wants to do, which is have a new number one every year or sooner. Mm-hmm. Right. And you also give the fans some pre-planned finality where they can commit out the gate and know what they're committing to. Not going, well, I'm going to buy this, but it'll it'll maybe be canceled five issues in. You know, hey, we're going to have 12 issues of this. And some people are a little more willing to commit to that, knowing going in what they have to look forward to and how long they're going to be buying this book or this set of books. Um, that's something I've kind of like in my brain kicked around and thought would be a fun thing to see because I love the idea of seeing different Marvel universes. You know, uh, what if stuff is never a crazy, crazy seller, yeah. always fun. And look at how many what if stories from, you know, 20 years ago were now actually, mm-hmm. you know, how was a what if, what if Magneto was the uh, ruled all mutants or something along those lines. So, what if or, Professor Xavier was the juggernaut? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good one. What if um, James hey, Foster- I have that juggernaut? <laughs> was, spoiler alert. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of them have, have definitely. Yeah. And one thing that I, I like, and, and once again, I'm going over to D.C., I love their Elseworlds books, yes. if you remember those. Me too. Where where you had the uh, like the the medieval Superman or Victorian it's, era uh, Batman, Gotham by Gaslight. 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 Classic, yeah, for sure. If well, you had something like that right. with Marvel, mm-hmm. like say, what if Steve Rogers was in the Revolutionary War? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, <laughs> or if you had like, I don't want to say Wolverine Year One kind of thing, but but, you know, back when he's back in Victorian era, because we all know he was around then, or medieval mutants in medieval times. Oh, Lord, you think they're persecuted now? Good Lord. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Man, Jean Grey would have died from hanging like 46 times already, right? <laughs> yeah. And they keep saying, well, she will stay hanged. Yeah. Well, since. But yeah, I think something like that would. I think you're onto something. You'll just yeah. get like year at a time. They can have a theme going like steampunk Marvel, medieval oh. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, no, you can have all these all these alternate universes, and and you and you don't overdo it. To be honest, sometimes Marvel overdoes it. You don't overdo it. You you clearly yeah. are going to probably have an Avengers, a Spider Man, an X Men. If you if you feel like doing Guardians, you know, depending on the universe, I mean, you're going to have what five to ten titles. Don't don't throw twenty seven titles in there, right? No. I mean, the Ultimate Universe was most successful when it was what four titles, five titles. Mm-hmm. Ultimate yeah. was kind of volumes, and you had Spider Man, FF, and X Men. The um, twenty ninety nine. Series, same thing. Right. Oh, yeah. Too many. Too many. Oh, or the Marvel Knight series. Yeah. But I mean, I think if you got an, an alternate universe where you're saying point blank, this all these characters are playing in this same universe. If you want to even plan for an event, that's okay. If you're doing a one year story, you can have an event, and it's not going to mess up the rhythm of your trade paperbacks because you've pre planned it all out ahead of time, right? So you can fit that event in, make it a three or four issue mini series, not a huge one. Put it in the middle of that thing, and, and whatever. If you want to do that from time to time great uh but i think you have i have you have yourself something that people can get excited about and still have some finality to without the wonder of how long is this book going to last um you know i mean don't get me wrong there's unfortunately some of the marvel books that seem to get canceled again and again are also some of their best books i mean patsy walker is a very entertaining comic uh moon knight geez the last three volumes of moon knight have all been really good yet he keeps getting you know he, he, he gets canceled and then he starts again um so darsky's howard the I, I didn't read that one, so I can't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> can't trust me on that one. Trust me. That's on that all right. One. He read it for. I mean, you. Here's, here's the thing: if, if Zdarsky did it, then it's I'm sure it's probably yeah. uh, probably pretty good. He seems to uh, well, seems to have that that stuff. So, speaking of pretty good. We've had 
had writers, artists, uh, even an editor grade us. Now we got a chance to have someone who actually works at the comic book shop get a chance to grade us. I'm going to say, Jarvis, would you play that song from the Shazbots, please? For you, sir. Anything. our picks of the week it's the pow pow um so tell you what i'll start us off this week um just so jc knows what we do each one of us picks three titles for the upcoming new comic book week or new comic book day so the titles we're picking tonight are titles that are coming out this coming wednesday uh july 5th so my first book for the week is deadpool deadpool kills marvel universe again number one remember the time deadpool went a little too crazy and killed the entire marvel universe well this isn't that this is a different time writer colin bunn and artist Dalibor Taljic, uh, aka the creators behind the first rendition of Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, have reunited for another tale of Deadpool taking out all of your faves in the most horrific ways possible. It's going to hurt him more than it hurts you. <laughs> so, Kylan, won't you go next? All right, my first pick of the week is Nick Fury, number four. Uh, writer is James Robinson. The artist is Echo, and the cover artist is Echo. Deep Blue Sea. I like what they did there. Nick Fury goes undercover at Under the Sea to uncover a Hydra spy in Atlantis. With a limited air supply and time running out, it's a quick dive and surface mission. Eric, your first pick. My first pick of the week is Marvel's Thor Ragnarok Prelude number one of four. The Incredible Hulk's Marvel Cinematic Universe debut. Bruce Banner has been trying to put the past behind him as he learns to control the powerful beast inside him. But as General Ross continues to hunt the fugitive Banner, only a matter of time before the Hulk will smash. Join us for part one of our lead up to 2017 cinematic mar- event, Marvel's Thor Ragnarok, with his brand new comic, brand new comic adaptation of the smash hit Incredible Hulk. So, how do we do for first picks of the week? Those are uh, those are some pretty good choices there. I think uh, I think Nick Fury is probably my sleeper hit right now. I think way too many people aren't reading that book. I agree. I need to seriously look into getting uh, Fury and even the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I've heard too many good things for that, uh, for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I think that's one. Uh, I'm going to have to start slowly adding the, the trades into into my pull list. Oh, yeah. Well, second pick of the week, I'm gone with Star Wars Rogue One adaptation number four. It's four of six. I, I picked it because... As JC knows, there's not a Star Wars title that comes through the store that I don't end up in my box. Um, <laughs> Jen Erso brings the news of the Death Star plans to the Rebellion. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> so, um, Kylan, you're next. Uh, my, my second pick is Iron Fist, number five. Writer is Ed Brisson. The artist is Mike Perkins, and the cover artist is Jeff DeKal. The epic conclusion of the trial of the Seven Masters. Danny has reached the end of the gauntlet, but is this also the end of the Iron Fist? It's Danny versus Lucy's most deadly mask. Okay. And Eric. 
My second pick of the week is All New Guardians of the Galaxy number five, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, artist uh, Fraser Irving, and guest artist Chris Samney. Star-Lord has been sailing the radio waves of the galaxy for years, keeping up with the one piece of Earth he never could quite leave behind. Guest artist Chris Samney joins writer Jerry Duggan to check into Peter Quill's Sonic Conquests. Not quite as good as Pelvic Sorcery, but Sonic Conquest does have a slight ring to it. Yeah, I feel like that could be their band name. Not Guardians of the Galaxy, but... (laughs) So so how do we rank on round two? Not bad, not bad. It's hard to argue with any Star Wars, especially something adapting uh, a movie as awesome as Rogue One was, for sure. Well, and the nice thing is with Rogue One, uh, they were telling us at Celebration that Rogue the Rogue One adaptation is almost a director's cut. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so that there was uh, there would be material included that the director wanted to include in the movie, but didn't. Hmm. Couldn't. Didn't. Nice. That's always a, a, a nice little bonus when they throw some of those goodies in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> to continue on final picks of the week uh i've gone with for my final pick star wars number 33 there's a pattern here it just doesn't shocked shocked i'm I'm confused i'm confused um (laughs) of course the writer is jason aaron artist is salvador la roca who i believe salvador is the second artist on this series if i remember right uh, he took over not too long ago, maybe within the last year. Does that sound about right? So. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the hero of the rebellion and the princess of the re- of the revolution. Luke and Leia finally get some time alone. Bow chicka bow wow. No, wait, sorry. <laughs> it, it's still it's still early enough that they don't know. Unfortunately, it's stranded on a desert island. Ah man, now it's the blue lagoon. <laughs> well, Luke should feel right at home. Uh, desert island. Enter moisture farmer joke right there. Does he speak bocce? <laughs> so, Kylan, your final pick of the week. Uh, my final pick is Hawkeye, number eight. Uh, the writer is Kelly Thompson. The artist is Leonardo Romero, and the cover artist is Julian Totino Tedesco. Hawkeye's investigation takes a dark and surprising turn as a face from her past resurfaces. Okay. And Eric, your final pick. My final pick of the week is Spider-Man Deadpool number 19, written by Joe Kelly and art by Ed McGinnis. The adventures of your favorite duo and comic books continue. And this time, Spider-Man and Deadpool have decided not to be funny anymore. What could possibly have driven our two heroes to take the funny out of their own funny book? And just what the heck has Slapstick got to do with it? I, ha- I have the answer to that. That's Deadpool the Duck. <laughs> I, uh, I I might be a little biased on this one, but I, I'm definitely a, you know, a big Spider-Man Deadpool fan. Uh, that book has been very, very funny during its iteration, uh, which is great because honestly, um, Deadpool has not been quite as funny for me in the regular book as I'm used to it being. Um, but Spider-Man Deadpool definitely has me. Wait, I don't get I don't get any picks in this. That's how this works. No picks well, for me. Actually, we'll add bonus picks for this yes, for this month bonus or picks. for this week. Can we, um, can we call variant picks. 
No, no, no. Let's just go with bonus picks. Actually, I, yeah. I, I like the variant picks. Our, okay. our guests who participate are providing us variant picks. Yes. I got All two right. of them. I got two of them. I may be breaking the format here with both of them. But okay. uh, number one is uh, Gamora's, tra- Gamora's trade paperback. Memento Mori comes out. Don't know if you guys read the Gamora. I guess we would call it a miniseries now since it's canceled or ended or that was planned all along. Who knows? Uh, facto limited series. Yes, yes. Uh, it was actually a very, uh, very entertaining read. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, if you want a little, uh, a little more of pre Guardians Gamora, it's definitely a solid, solid choice in that category. Uh, so trade paperback. I don't know if I'm breaking the format there with the trade. No, no. So no. Okay. we've done trades before. And we number do, and we've number done two, trades and hardcovers. Okay. Number two is uh, is the uh, True Believers Amazing Fantasy starring Spider Man comes out next week, uh, or it's supposed to. I mean, it rips like it's supposed to. Uh, and I know for myself, I've definitely never held a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 and read it. And while this isn't Amazing Fantasy 15, it's basically Amazing Fantasy 15. So, um, you know, that's kind of awesome to be able to hold some iteration of it as a physical single issue and read it. I, as one of the things I've liked about the True Believers line is they bring in cheap even because it's, it's a dollar book. They're a dollar. I, I, a, chance, a chance to pick up something from the past. So um, now we also do a Marvel Unlimited pick where we kind of highlight a book from a book or series from the Marvel Unlimited library since there are now over 20,000 titles in the history. So you could go back and read digitally. Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. I, I mean, I think I think even the digital reader here among us could say that's not quite quite. No, the same. no, 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 not quite. <laughs> but, uh, not quite. It's cool that they have uh, so much stuff on there for sure. Yeah, but that's not my unlimited pick for this week. I went with, and I think we might have discussed this briefly uh, when I was in on Wednesday uh, about this particular character. I have picked Spider Gwen number one, the Most Wanted series, which is, I believe, volume zero. Yes, um, Spider. Gwen spins into her own series because you demanded it. The breakout hit of the biggest spider event of the century is taking comic shops by storm this winter. Well, it did take comic book shops by storm um, with her own ongoing series called Spider Gwen. Gwen Stacy is Spider Woman, but you already knew that. What you don't know is friends and foes are waiting for her in the aftermath of Spider-Verse. From the fan-favorite creative team that brought you Spider-Gwen's origin story in Edge of Spider-Verse, Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. And this whole week has been a big Spider-Gwen week for my daughter. Uh, we ended up picking up some Spider-Gwen pops and a keychain pop for her. And uh, it's just kind of snowballed a little bit this week. So I, I just felt it was kind of appropriate because of her. I went with Spider-Gwen number one from the Most Wanted miniseries. And how, I mean, how cool is it that there are so many great female characters that are not the the typical, you know, wasted character that they have been in the past in mm-hmm. all forms of, you know, pop culture right now. You have yeah. Wonder Woman in theater. You've got, you know, Spider-Gwen being, you know, a really great book for Marvel. Uh, I mean, my personal, we talk Star Wars, I know you love Star Wars. Uh, my favorite Star Wars character is actually Ahsoka. Um, I mean, potential, potential miniseries coming there. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I can never get enough of, uh, of Ahsoka. So, yeah, oh, I mean. Well, speaking of that, I would say Dr. Afra. Yeah, another, for sure. Another oh, original yeah. character created and for the comics. Yeah, that's getting her own action figure. Oh, yeah. the murder droids, BT and, and Trips. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Because because honestly, I mean, 
we're we're at a point where you know not completely across the board and obviously you can't speak for every shop but i know i've had a lot of uh, a lot of younger female readers that are getting into all the stuff that come in the stores and it's great to see it not necessarily be what you'd expect them to pick up now right you know well, it's it's so many options which is awesome well i know zoe still comes in and she wants to pick up the dc superhero superhero girls i mean she looks at the all ages book as well you know the star wars all ages from idw is going to be on the list uh we might actually be starting a subscription pool for her awesome. that i will help maintain uh, and when i broached that idea with my wife and she in front of her she she was getting excited but she's now wanting to go to the back wall as well and look for the Wonder Woman. Uh, she's probably going to start looking for the Spider Gwen. Um, she she is looking at other titles to see what piques her interest. And it might even be one of those, oh, she's picking up this issue because, well, the cover happened to pique her interest. And that's why she picked that book for the week or, or that visit. Um, so I, I'm glad to have fed that. And I, ha- and I am thankful thankful that um originally when we moved down to this area and i started getting back into calls uh into comics the first iteration of the store was when it was in downtown Kissimmee, way back when before the hurricanes i had never even went to that location that was yeah before mm. i think i went twice and mm-hmm. i had the weirdest vibe from that store hence why i didn't go back right after Star Wars Celebration 6 and be around the time that Blood Tide or Night Errant came out. Star Wars Night Errant came out 2012, I believe. Somewhere in there. That's when I came back to the to Coliseum of Comics and Jim was the manager at the time. This was at the Office Depot complex location. Our, our previous to where we're at now. And mm-hmm. the vibe was so much better than when Zoe was getting to the point where she was wanting to get books because she would go with me on, on Wednesdays when y'all had the free, you know, out of the 50 cent books, pick four for free. She would go through and start looking. I want this one. I want this one. Which we're actually bringing back a little bit. Awesome. Oh, she'll yeah, be excited for that. Uh, four, three, uh, four free Thursdays, I believe is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. So she, maybe it may be three free again, but it's Thursdays now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. She, um, she started getting into that and that's when we, she started getting the My Little Pony books. I mean, she wasn't reading quite yet, but I was reading some to her, but she would just go through and make up her own stories, which is great. <laughs> and, and the staff there at the shop really helped encourage her and treated her, you know, she felt she was treated special because of the little extra attention she got. Um, and, and now to come in, you know, because we we're in so often, you know, we walk in, Warren, great example. He'll see her. He'll go, Hey, he might not remember her name. He goes, Hey, how you doing? You, you still getting this? You still, and she loves it. She, she's as a seven year old is digging the, the personalized attention that she gets when she walks in. Um, and, 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 and that says a lot. She could, she could, Warren could be some small piece of her being in the comic industry as an adult. She yeah. could be writing Star Wars 15 years from now. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. That could be part of her. I mean, she could be directing a Star Wars movie for all we know, you know? Um, if she does, and, I better have a cameo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it won't, you know, she'll make sure to cover you just to mess with you, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of what we get out of the job. Like I said, I can't draw. I can't write a comic. Um, 
but I can definitely introduce somebody to something that somebody else put their heart and soul into that I love that hopefully they fall in love with. And then maybe they put their heart and soul into this cycle down the road again for the same thing to happen. That's part of the reason why I podcast. Um, I'm not a great musician. That's why I'm an audio engineer because I I still have that love for music and that's my way of contributing to the music industry. Same thing with geek culture, with comics. I can't, I'm not the greatest writer. Uh, Drawing, I'm okay, not comic level, but I podcast and help bring these people to others and let them tell their stories. Same thing with, I don't know how well I would do running a comic book shop or being a comic book retailer, but we bring someone in who has some insight to help explain some of our frustrations and, Mm -hmm. and give us better insight of what's going on on that realm that I couldn't do. Right. So we appreciate you coming on. Um, Coliseum Comics, where can they find either the Kissimmee store or the chain itself? Uh, well, we have six locations, um, all in Florida currently. Uh, we have a location in Tampa, Lakeland, Kissimmee, uh, near the Mall of Millennia, Fashion Square Mall, inside the mall. And then uh, our newest location is in Altamont. Okay. Um, the Kissimmee location is in the same plaza with the Nike clearance store. It's 2511 Old Wineland Road. Um, that's where I hang out most of the time. Uh, if you want to come be like, dude, you're the worst person I've ever heard on the podcast. That's okay. I won't be mad at you, but I'll totally point at some comics that you'll fall in love with. Uh, and, uh, you can find us online, Coliseum of comics.com, uh, which if you do unfortunately not have a shop near you and you want some mail order, we do our mail order through the website. If that's something you're looking for, because if you just found this podcast, uh, you know, sometime recently and, um, you know, you're trying to find a way to get more into it. That is an option, whether it be us or your local comic store. If you do have one of those, hopefully, um, find some comics, get them digitally, get them whatever way you want to get them, um, you know, and share them with a friend for sure. Uh, but, um, we're also on social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Oh, our pleasure. I don't I don't think we could have wrapped it up any better. So, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Just time to go, Doctor. So, gotta ask, with some of the variant covers, um, like the blanks, is it still possible to back order or or reorder any of the blanks or any of the most of the time back a little bit managing buy to order some of that stuff for the warehouse so we have our, our, our store stock and then we try to buy some for the warehouse and then we restock the stores if necessary and then beyond that we have like convention stock or stuff that just like we just uh, switched around some staffing and Gabby is now our back issue specialist so she is just constantly working on what's in the warehouse and getting more of it in stores if we don't have it in stores so if there's certain ones you're looking for let me know uh, I just got a Vader the other day because I'm having um, uh, I'm having uh, Saya Ohm do a uh, an uh, Ahsoka commission for me this year. I'll be giving her that book in San Diego. And since I don't have an Ahsoka book yet, I figured I might as well put it on a Vader. <laughs>